We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. John, CJ Procise. I know that you obviously have had CJ on before, so you're not a you're not a stranger to his knowledge. But very interesting comments, man. I I, I really just love the perspective because he is a guy that had a very interesting path to stardom, right? You know, multiple positions, three star recruit, Woodbury Forest to third round NFL draft pick. Like he is a he's a he's a great symbol, in my opinion, of how do you make it as an underdog, right? As yeah. a under recruited player. That's mm-hmm. how you do it. You grind. And I think that he's a perfect example of that. And his story, you can appreciate this um, being the draft expert that you are. Um, you know, it's something doing something for the team. You know, his, he, he made moves and position changes for the team. You know, yep. going from safety to wide receiver, uh, then going from wide receiver to running back. And he was pretty successful at all three. To be honest, he didn't get really get the chance to show it as safety, but he was a pretty good player at all three. But I know for sure because I've had conversations with him. I'm interested in seeing how you might think this plays into the recruiting because recruits now think much further yes. than recruits 10, 15 years ago. Like yep. high school seniors now are already thinking college football and that third year in NFL. Like, they're thinking about the entire package. And he's always been open and honest about probably have, still being in the NFL if he had stayed at wide receiver. Yeah. Or, or I mean, he, was such a, he, he was such a good athlete, Sean. It was always just yeah. about durability stuff, right? Like, he just got yeah. beat up in Seattle. He, I mean, his body just but couldn't take it. You know what I mean? He, he so. was too small. He was too small. And he, he said he recognized it his first training camp. Like, yo. Yep. This is a totally different physicality. Because people forget. I mean, he averaged like 5.7 yards per carry for Seattle before he got injured as a rookie. Like, he was yeah. balling, man. Was and then balling. durability killed his entire career. I mean, it really yeah. did. I, yeah. It's great advice, man. I always tell people this. I, one, if you are a running back and you can go to the NFL early, go. Well, <laughs> Just go. Go. Number two, if you want to play running back, don't <laughs> like those are the two advices of play running back, right? Like mm-hmm. that's it, man. That's it. And he's a perfect example of that, obviously. But every kid wants the ball in their hands, right? For sure. So yeah. that's the position where you feel like 
I'm going to get the ball in my hands the most, right? Yep. At least 15, 20 times a game. Yeah, but it's it's not for the faint of heart or the brittle bones. <laughs> it, it really it really isn't, man. It's it's a brutal game. I mean, Sean, I'll put it like this, like, and we'll move on to the next segment here, but the average NFL career is about three point something years, right? Mm-hmm. On the NFL side. It's yeah. even less for running backs. Like it's even like the shelf life is just not great. For every Adrian Peterson that lasts a long time and Frank Gore. There's guys that last one to two years because it's just like their body just can't take it, man. Yeah. They just can't yeah. take it. So, yeah, I, I I do often wonder. I do often wonder that if CJ would have stuck at a different position because he was a great athlete, man. He would have figured it mm-hmm. out in either spot, right? Yep. He might still be playing. Mm-hmm. He might still be playing right now. He's like 29 years old, right? Like he's 29. Yeah. I think that he. I think he might still be playing. But either way, great interview. Gave us a lot of insight into recruiting and in, in that side and. Even took a shot at Brian Kelly, so he's welcome back on the podcast anytime. <laughs> so, yo, I don't know if you saw the latest show that they had Jerron Jones on. It was literally thirty I, I, I minutes. I listened to part of it. I listened to part of it. Yeah. If you want to hear a Brian Kelly slander, it was almost like fifteen to twenty minutes of it. I was like, wow. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not that far in. I just got past the intros and everything, and I, I forgot. It, it's great story. I mean, great. It's a great podcast too because. I mean, Jerron Jones has gone from defensive tackle to Notre Dame. Now he's playing offensive tackle and back. Mm-hmm. To, it's it's a really cool story. So make sure to go listen to their podcast again. It's the Luck, Lucky Underdogs Notre Dame football podcast. You can find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, everywhere that you frequent a podcast. Make sure to go check out the podcast. It's real. It's really good. It's a it's a very unique perspective because it's not just they played at Notre Dame. They're doing a Notre Dame podcast. It's also like he said. It's given a little bit of a perspective of some of the guys that maybe don't get the fanfare, don't get the pub that they may deserve to being an equal and important member of a football team. So make sure to go check out that podcast. Sean, we're going to get into some recruiting rankings next. Before we do, hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, hit that notification bell. Make sure to share this podcast and sign up at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Sean, so I don't know if you saw it. I So ESPN had just put out a ranking last week. Yep. 247 Sports had put up a new ranking yesterday. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm sorry, reverse. 247 was last week. ESPN was yesterday. So I really wanted to break down a little bit of some of the movement of Notre Dame guys. Yeah. Want to talk about the good, because there is a lot of good on these lists. The puzzling is how I would kind of put it. And then I also want to give us an opportunity to really talk about some guys that we feel like are still being slept on, like mm-hmm. it's based on senior years. Like let's take a little bit of jump. So we're just going to present three players to the table at the end of this segment that we think should still be due for big recruiting boosts here. Let's start with two, four, seven, Sean, who is last week. Again, it, it, this was, this was actually a really good one for Notre Dame. There's some that it's just like, man, it feels very anti Notre Dame, but this one was far from anti Notre Dame. I want to just work these one by one and we'll talk about just kind of instant reactions to it. Like if it's fair, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's earned, like we'll just work through it that way. Sean, my friends, mm-hmm. once upon a time, there was a young man named Bryce young who was an unranked player on two, four, seven sports. He was out of the, the 247 ranked players in the 2025 class. Yeah. In the next chapter of this story last week, Bryce young is now, 
the number 73 overall player in the 2024 recruiting class, jumping from outside of the top 247 players Mm -hmm. to number 73. That's a pretty dang impressive jump, man. It's pretty impressive. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The fall season is incredibly busy for me, which makes it hard to spend the time needed to make healthy meals and live a healthy life. If you have the same problem, you'll want to try Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I've had Factor Meals, and I'm going to continue buying from them, especially with a special discount for Irish Breakdown listeners. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. You can choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. That's irish50 at factormeals.com slash irish50 to get 50% off. I've tried it. I'm sticking with them. You should try too. Look, I remember the initial conversations when... um he was being offered and he had just started coming to campus with his father. And I remember having a conversation with you like, uh, you know, I hope they just don't give him an offer just because, you know, his legacy, uh, you know, Jerome Bettis Jr. was in, I mean, we had those conversations, right? And then all of a sudden we started to see more and more tape. We started to hear things you know, over the summer from the circuit. And now this season, it's like, okay, Notre Dame has, let me tell you something. Yes. The one position that Notre Dame has literally recruited sleep, the man, the best sleepers, in my opinion, is that that brush in. Like to get Armel Mookum. Bubakar Traore, get those guys late. We've been hearing about them in practice since they arrived. <clears throat> Bryce Young, 
I'm sure we're going to get to Logan Thomas in a bit. Guys that are not top 50, top 25, but when you look at their talent, like you said, he's in the 70s now, and to make that jump, a lot of evaluators are seeing something that is very special. And, you know, you have to be, I won't say happy because no one's really done it for Notre Dame, but you have to be excited as a Notre Dame fan when it comes to players like Bryce Young and that position and that body type that Notre Dame is really going after and recruiting. So, man, well-deserved, yeah. Bryce Young, well-deserved. Well, like you said, Sean, 6'5", 6'6", 250 pounds with growth mm-hmm. potential. I mean, there's a chance this kid's a three-tech eventually. Like, There's a chance because he's just so big, man, and he's – explosive and he always had those explosive traits but like right as a junior i would say he's more in the six four and a half 215 220 pound range like he was not nearly this big he's had right. a massive grade i will give two four seven sports credit here too sean they made a massive they made a massive jump here obviously but they made a a complete overcorrection because they were like dude like he's been so good it doesn't matter if he's jumping 200 something spots or whatever like he's been that dude this year yeah. i mean Guys, again, I don't I don't live in the in, in hyperbole, but this kid, I I said it on a show, Sean. I think I did a solo show where I said I, I think that he could be a top 50 player when all is said and done if he continues to trend because he also just got invited to the old American bowl down in San Antonio. Yeah. So he gets a yeah. chance to now go down there, show out, show that, that he can do it against some of the best. Because he just had eight tackles and two sacks last week against David Sanders Jr., who is the top offensive tackle in 2025, a legit five-star player. Yeah. So, I mean, he has taken his game to a whole other level, and it's been great to see. And I'm very happy that 247 was like, all right, because I, I actually don't blame them. I don't blame him for not being in the top 247 be, after his junior year. Like, he wouldn't have been in no. mine, to be honest. No. He wouldn't have been mine at all. That, but, that's, that's pretty honest and fair. Yes. To say that. I agree. It It is, because then we'll get the ESPN where, like, they moved him up, but, like, it was very minuscule, right? And I'm just mm-hmm. like – how is it minuscule based from junior to senior film so far? Like that jump has to be crazy, but uh, conversation in a little bit there. Kedron Young, Sean, another story here. There was once a great running back in the state of Texas named Kedron Young, who mm-hmm. was vastly underrated. I think he was a three-star on 247 Sports at one point. Out of the top 247, he's now up to the number 101 player in the country. Notre Dame now has... Let me do the math real quick. One, two, three, four, five. I think they have six players in the top 100, and they almost have seven because Kedron Young is in that 101 in the 2024 class right now. Kedron Young has had a crazy season so far, man. I feel bad for him. Lufkin, Texas, obviously. John, he went from – so he was playing – obviously, he's a running back. But their quarterback got banged up, and I think their backup got banged up as well. So he was had to play quarterback one game pretty recently for Lufkin, Texas. Yeah. But he is really, really good, and I feel like he's starting to get the shine now, obviously. You know I love my city. You know yes. I love my city. Yep. So I was really pulling for Darian Dupree to uh, end up in Notre Dame. And then Kedron Young jumped on the scene. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I can't even, I can't even be, I can't even be mad. Like literally, 
Kedron Young might be the first person I showed Malik's his film to Malik, and Malik was like, like first two clips, Malik's like, oh my god, <laughs> like, dude, where where is he from? Like, can we get him on the roster now? Like, yeah, just the power, the uh, patience, the vision, yep. the speed. Once he gets out into the field on the second and third. Look, the speed, the speed's underrated, man. The speed, very underrated, brother. Because you look at his, you look at him being real stout, and you don't expect it. Look, this guy, and you know, someone asked me like, "Man, yo, is there a Notre Dame comp?" And I'm like, running style, maybe a uh, Dexter Whip, because Dex was also like once he got in the open field, like, surprised me with speed. But Dex had, like, a, a thicker body. Yeah. You know, when you looked at him. But, it look, I love this kid. This kid, to me, deserves to be easily in the top 100. Oh, yeah. Easily. I would agree. I would Just agree. Just the competition he plays against. Yep. And, his, like you said, his senior film. His junior film was great. His, his junior film was great. I haven't really seen too many running backs that I would just flat out say were better than Keidre Young in 2024. I really haven't, man. There's mm-hmm. there's some good backs, of course, but like he's he's very good. I kind of got I kind of got Jonas Gray vibes. Remember Jonas? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. give me a little pop a little bit because I I think mm-hmm. Keidre's gonna be a big back, man. Apparently he's up to like 220 pounds now as well. So like he might be 225, 230 before all is said and done. And I always wondered. Jonas Gray's last year, man, he didn't get hurt there going into the NFL because then he missed the. Remember when he was the he ran for like 200 yards for the Patriots, but then he missed like the team meeting the next day yeah, and then he got cut day. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, man, like that kid real, was talented though, man. Smart. He was talented because he got he had that big game against Pitt. Mm-hmm. I think his senior his last year, and then like you said, the nagging injuries. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it, yeah, man. He because he was he was stupid talented. And I remember he was kind of a late breakout guy in his Notre Dame career. He yeah. was balling, got hurt, and then is I mean, he was he did really well for the Patriots in limited opportunities, and then obviously you know went awry a little bit. Right. But, yeah. Unfortunate, but great football player. There's no doubt. We don't want to spend too much on these next couple. Well, actually, on the next one, Sean, because it's very minuscule jump, but. Cam Williams went up six spots. He's now the number 46 player in the 247 ranking. How this kid's not a consensus five-star for my because he's a five-star now on the industry ranking. But how is he not a five-star on every single platform? Like, I just I, I don't understand what we're missing here. At what point are you just gonna be like, yeah, Cam's really flipping good, man? Like, at what point are we yeah. gonna do that? I, I just don't understand what we're waiting for for some of these rankings. And I hope he plays in one of the toughest IHSA divisions. Yeah. And he's doing it every like, week, man. That conference, that conference battle out yep. there comes down to like the last game each and every year. And his team is not – he's not on one of the best teams. So when you see him dominating teams that are really good and going deep into the state playoffs, that shows you, like you said, he is without a doubt a five-star yep. receiver. It. It should have happened a long time ago. And, you know, maybe it's the Notre Dame commit thing. I, I tend not to think for this ranking, though, because we're seeing, I mean, Bryce Young with a huge bump, Keaton Young mm-hmm. with a huge bump. Um, 
uh, Kingston Villamalasa, who I was going to talk about next, jumped for 21 spots to number 66. Gerby Lambert was up 36 spots to number 81 in the country. So, like, a lot of guys had massive jumps for whatever reason. Just like we're, we're just kind of inching Cam along, you know what I mean? For summary, I don't know why that is, but that kid's a star, man. He's an absolute star. But don't want to talk too much about Gerby Lambert. I haven't been able to see his senior film. He doesn't have any posts on Huddle, so like I haven't seen him. He was really yeah. good on junior film, though. So like that's cool. Uh, King Civilia Amoasa, Sean. I don't know how much you've seen of him, man, but like he looks even more athletic this year, which is like. And they, they have some huge wins against nationally ranked teams. That did, you is, see their, did you see their game against Modern Day this past week? Yes. 28 nothing. Like, yes. what? 28 nothing. That's the, he's, I think they've been on ESPN, I think, twice. Yeah. And the defense as a whole is playing fantastic. But him as the leader of that defense, and um, I've never seen a kid, maybe other than Drake Bowen, yeah, seem, seem super happy to be a commit at Notre Dame. And it goes back to like how he made the decision, you know, and like being at peace with it. He is, yo, he is a fantastic. Does he have the talent? To come in and play, yeah, yeah, he but does. It's yeah. some dudes in front of him. It's there like are. there are. See, that's yeah. but that's a great thing. Yep, that's what you want. That's the depth you want. Sean, I'm thinking about the future of the Mike linebacker position. Man. Of like, you Man. could have Drake Bowen, maybe Nolan Ziegler eventually moves over to Mike. I know he's more of a will mm-hmm. right now. And then also having Kingston Villamalasa come into campus as well. Like that is mm-hmm. some stupid Mike depth right there, man. That's going to be really, really good. So, but I wouldn't, th- despite that, Sean, because you make a great point. Like there's a lot of people in front of Kingston going into next year, but like, would you be shocked if Kingston's in the two deep next year and he's just playing because he's that good? Like I wouldn't be shocked at all. Personally. I don't know. If Al Golden is still here, I would venture to say he's going to lean towards veterans. veterans. Sure, but you know, if if Al Golden gets a job somewhere else, and someone else comes in, and you know, at that point, it's open auditions. Yeah, when you get a new DC, so and he's a he's a really intelligent kid as well. So I don't yes. think that the transition from high school defense to college defense is going to be like this like overwhelming thing for Kingston. I feel like he'll be able mm-hmm. to handle it very well. We already talked about Gerby Lambert's moving up a ton of spots, 36 points. Sean, Sean, the two head scratchers, and I just wanted to get your opinion on these both. You can go to either one you want, go to both if you want, whatever you want to do here. Logan Thomas, who mm-hmm. was formerly out of the state of Texas, is now at St. Edward in the state of Ohio, uh, back-to-back state championships. He dropped in the rankings to number 218. I believe he was mm-hmm. high 200s, but he dropped a little bit to 218. Micah Gilbert, who was ranked in the 200s, is now completely out of the 247 rankings. And that's the one that I have the most distaste for because Micah Gilbert's been phenomenal as a senior. I don't know how you watch his junior film compared to a senior film and be like, eh, let's drop him. I I don't know exactly where you got, but like you can go to whatever one you want on that one, Sean. Those are just the two head scratchers for me. You know what's so crazy? Someone, I think they put a mailbag question up here that we're going to get to later. Michael Gilbert's safety film is bananas. It's very good. Yeah. Like he's playing single high safety and like high point balls, intercepting balls. You can see the run at the, the catch ability. 
But as a wide receiver, he blocks like crazy. He catches the ball. He's physical. He breaks tackles. He's great in small spaces and making people miss. I don't get it either. I don't know what else they want to see from the kid. Logan Thomas, to me, was the one guy before the season started that I expected to move up. Right? And maybe it was the move from Texas to Ohio. I don't know. But he's playing but against some good teams at Ohio, man. He's, like... he's against some really good teams. Yeah. He, and I just don't understand. Like, I don't understand what these evaluators are looking for. Yeah. Well, well Sean, Sean, I think to add to the Logan Thomas conversation, because I think that's a great point, is that you would expect that he would have risen somewhere. But then I look mm-hmm. at the ESPN ranking, and he also fell eight spots to number 239 player of the country. Mm-hmm. I, I've watched Logan Thomas and the games that he has had so far and the highlights and everything, and I'm I'm perplexed, man. I'm perplexed. For me... He was an incredibly raw player as a junior who was just winning off of traits. He's still doing that a little bit as a senior, but he's gotten bigger and more athletic, and they and they've just put his hand in the ground and be like, hey, dude, go get the quarterback, which I think is better for his evaluation eventually, right? Mm-hmm. I, I don't get this one, man. I don't. Like, a couple of these, I'm like, all right, don't agree with it, but I understand it, right? Like, Peter Jones is one that we'll talk about from the ESPN ranking. Like, he dropped a little bit, and it's just like he's a – He's a tough, gritty offensive lineman in the state of Pennsylvania. I understand why people don't gravitate towards him. But a defensive end that was very good at a Texas high school in a high division, now playing at a a power in the state of Ohio in St. Edward and dominating at St. Edward, mm-hmm. I'm just confused. I don't understand the, the Logan Thomas one. That's that's one that's really kind of perplexing to me. If you go up a few spots, you'll see Jacob O, a safety that's committed to Michigan. That was a long yep. time. Uh, recruit for Notre Dame and dude I've spoken to Jacob's dad I've spoken to Jacob multiple times was locked into his film he's nowhere near the athlete of Logan Thomas he's just not so to have him six spots above Logan Thomas lets me know that either there's very little objectivity Amongst yep. those evaluators, yep. or they have a set of sta- a set of standards that just don't add up. They just don't, because athletically he's so far superior to Jacob Oden, and I like Jacob Oden as a recruit. Yeah, but Logan Thomas shouldn't be behind him on this list. L- Logan, I, I just sent a shout out to Logan Thomas, Sean, because he has really taken a massive step as a senior, in my opinion. He's gotten longer. He's gotten more explosive. He's starting to fill out his frame a lot more. Mm-hmm. He looked, honestly, a little bit, and again, not not as good a prospect as what Keon Keeley was, but he's wearing that number nine, and he's super long. Like He looked a little bit like Keon Keeley, based upon some of the film I've watched as a senior. Again, not saying he's as good as Keon Keeley. I'm not saying that, but he's certainly better than the number 239 player in the country. Look. Like, he's certainly better than that. I, I mentioned um, Jacob Oden. If you go to 229, yep. Brandon Davis Swain is at 229. Brandon Davis Swain is much better than 229. Like, what are we talking about? Like, he was committed to Notre Dame, switched. I think he's committed to Colorado now. And they're both 
These are both dominant guys that can rush the passer and do a lot coming off the edge. And to have them that low, especially Logan Thomas, who has pretty much shown that he can dominate in two of the best prep states when it comes to high school football, Ohio and Texas, there's no explanation yeah. as to why Logan Thomas should be that low. None. I, because I, I like, because I think Brandon Davis Swain is underrated at 229. I agree. I would agree with that. So, yeah. It, it I, doesn't, I don't, it, it. I don't get it either, man. It's just very perplexing. I'm going to go work through, uh, Sean, because we have to transition to ESPN now, these rankings before we go into our evaluations, right? ESPN is not good to Notre Dame, folks. Like I told you, like, because again, 247, whole lot of good in that ranking for Notre Dame. I mean, Bryce Young crashing the party at number 73, Keedron Young up to 101 after not being ranked. Cam Williams moves up. Kingston Billy Amalasa moves up 21 spots. Gerby Lambert moves up 36 spots and number 81 in the country. A whole lot of good in that one, right? And they're one mm-hmm. of the few that aren't consistent with just dropping CJ Carr for no reason at all. So he stayed put at 36. I mean, it was it was a good, it was a 247 sports was a very positive ranking to Notre Dame. It was very positive. ESPN, Sean? <laughs> no, this wasn't positive Notre Dame at all. Um, let's start here. I think only only two players moved up. And one of them are very minuscule move up. Okay. So CJ Carr down one spot to number 36. So he moved down, even though he's having a great senior year. Make it make it make sense to me. Uh Kedron Young moved down in their ranking. Not four spots. He's now number 221 in the country on the ESPN ranking. Cam Williams, he moved up two spots. He's he's now number 49 in the country. Micah Gilbert down four spots, Sean. Number 256 in the country. Peter Jones is completely now out of the top 300 prospects in the 2024 class. Logan Thomas, despite having a dynamic senior season so far, dropped eight spots to number 239. Bryce Young was previously not in the top 300. He's up to number 219 now, so he got into the, the, into the ranking. But again... He's 219. You watched that film and said 219? I don't know about that one, sir. And then Kingston Villiamoasa did move up. He was the biggest winner of these rankings, Sean. He went from number 50. He went up from number 157 to number 100 on the ESPN rankings. So he moved up 57 spots. So the positive is Kingston Villiamoasa, ESPN thinks he's flipping, I guess, from Notre Dame at some point because he's moved up 57 spots, man. That's a pretty good jump. The CJ Carr thing has always been weird to weird. us. Yeah. You know, um, especially on three. On three is not a fan of CJ Carr. He's almost the number 200 player in the country by C- for on three for whatever reason. So. And most people I talked to uh, that were out there in California this summer for the Elite yep. 11, the range was yo, he is about as solid as you're going to get at the position. And, yo, he's a little bit better than I thought. <laughs> so no one out there was like, oh, man, no, I'm not impressed. So well, apparently there was one person for all three that wasn't impressed. But, right. you know, whatever. But stuff like that. And then you get Keedron Young. And there's, look, I guess beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Sure. You know, um, 
We get kids that get offers from Notre Dame. We have questions, right? Either watching this sophomore film, the junior film, and then all of a sudden we see another film and it's like, oh, is this the same kid? So, you know, I'm not hating on evaluators because I understand the process is not an exact science. Scouting scouting is an art, not a science. You are 100% no. correct. Yes. No, and beauty is literally in the eye of the beholder. And it's like, um, yo, I just watched a 30 for 30 just to kind of connect this on the scout that found Fernando Valenzuela. Yep, yep. Like, literally down in Mexico in a small town playing like Mexican league baseball, like, and for him to be able to watch him against lesser competition, but yet still be able to see, yo, he translates, you know, as an evaluator, that's, that's the difficulty, right? Yep. And, you know, like I said, I don't want to hate on the people that do this for a living and this is their job and say they don't take it seriously. But you have to have objectivity and you just can't watch one piece of film and never go back to the kid or see CJ Carr and say, "Okay, I know who he is. So there's no reason for me to continue to watch him to see if he develops. And a lot of times I think. Because of the volume of tape and film, I think this can happen a lot of times where, you know, you don't stick with a kid and, and watch the progression. And some other kids you do stick to. See, Bryce Young, you stick to him because he's the up-and-comer. Sure. So you want to make sure that you lock in with him because everybody else is locking in with him. He's buzzing on the circuit like, oh, man, this Bryce Young kid, he's really coming on. Everybody wants to have that story. Yep. But the kids that have been, have been there, been solid, you know, you have to be disciplined enough as an evaluator to really stay with it and stay on task and give them the same opportunity that you're giving to the guys that might be fast risers or their names are really popping in the circuit. So, you know, just to connect that to what you were talking about, it's not an exact science, but I think there are some people that are far more fair and dig in a little bit deeper than some others. Yep. I would agree with that. I I just, Sometimes some of this stuff just doesn't sit right with me personally. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not, it's not, again, it's not a personal thing at all. I just don't personally, because I would love to actually just sit down with some of the people that do these rankings and just literally like pick their brain and just watch film with them. I, I would yeah. actually love to do that. I just don't understand how seeing what I've seen from Logan Thomas and Micah Gilberts specifically, and even Keidra Young to a, to a degree, but like those first two more than that, how you don't come away and say they've gotten a lot better. I, I I don't know how you don't take that away. I mean, because that's what this tells me, Sean, is that you thought Micah Gilbert on both rankings, that both ESPN and 247 Sports are basically telling me Micah Gilbert is not as good as we thought he was. Mm-hmm. And I watch a senior film and I'm like, Micah Gilbert's way better than I thought he was. I, like, mm-hmm. To be very honest, like I liked him, right? Like I, I thought he was a top 250 kid when Notre Dame got him. You know, had some injury stuff, but really – precise, detailed, like, cool, good player. As a senior, I think he's a top 150 kid. Mm-hmm. I think he's top 150. Like, he's really, he's been really, really good for Charlotte, like Charlotte Catholic. It, it, I, 
I don't know, man. It's been weird. It's been very strange to kind of just look at. So I, I'm I'm more curious than anything. I'm just curiosity has been definitely definitely hits. And I, I guess that's the whole point of rankings, right? Is that yeah. you're making people curious so they read it, right? Yeah. I, I guess. So it works. ESPN two four seven. We spent a whole segment of a show talking about it. Congratulations. I, again, I'm not calling you guys clickbait, but like you got us to click. So that's cool. You got it. You got it. Sean, let, let's go now to finish up the segment. We're each going to name three players that we believe should be risers in the 2024 recruiting class. We'll go one by one here, Sean. Um, would you like to go first? You want me to go first? You're 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 the uh, esteemed member of this panel, so you can you can pick whatever you would like to do, sir. You can pick. Sorry about that. You're fine. I almost, almost talked about him a little bit in a, like five minutes ago. Sure. But Jack Larson to me is yo for three straight years he has been the best playmaker on offense for his team has absolutely incredible hands and not just incredible hands when he's open i'm talking about incredible hands when he's draped with defenders and you're talking about going up snagging balls out of the air making a play on the ball his blocking this year he's a force at defensive end you know, getting sacks. He's just a fabulous athlete, man. And from the time he committed to Notre Dame as a junior, coming out of that junior day yep. with C.J. Carr and um, Cam Williams, he's been he's kind of been the stepchild of that trio. Like, you got C.J. Carr, you got Cam Williams. Like, moving forward, Notre Dame fans literally might look back at that day in that camp as the start of the evolution of the Notre Dame offense. That Irish invasion and that trio, you know, looking at each other and saying, we're coming. That could be what we look at two years down the line and say, yo, that's where it all started. Like those three right there. And for him to be treated like the stepchild, in my opinion, especially by evaluators, is absolutely insane. Because all he does is make plays. Especially in a clutch. You go look at fourth quarter games that they played over the last two years. He's always making the game winning touchdown, the game winning uh, t- uh, catch that set up the touchdown. He's always in the mix at the end of games. Yep. Well, and, and Sean, to Jack Larson's point too, is that his senior year, he's also created a lot more big plays than what he did as a junior. I think he had like 50 mm-hmm. something catches for like 600 something yards. So he averaged like 12 yards a catch, I think as a junior, which, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. But this year I think he's averaging like 18 yards a catch or something like that, man. He's got like almost 500 yards and only like 28 receptions this year. So and that's what he's stretching the defense a lot more, which is good. So that's what a new quarterback. Yeah, I know. Cause the Sean Boyle kids at West Virginia, like he was a yeah. pretty good quarterback for him and yeah. he's still, he's still producing, man. I, I think that that is the great, I think that's the great evidence of how good of a player Jack Larson is. It's kind of like Jaden Greathouse as a senior, because you remember, obviously, he lost Cole uh, uh, Klubnik, you know, to to go in Cade Klubnik. I'm just calling Cole Cade Klubnik to Clemson, and yet Jaden Greathouse was still really productive. Not quite as much as Cade with Cade, but like who's? I mean, that changes makes sense, right? Like that makes mm-hmm. sense that his production is going to go down a little bit. But yeah, I think Jack's a really good player, man. Very underrated to your point. He. I mean, he's just good. I mean, what, what are you going to say about it? Like, he's just a good player. I already talked about one, Sean, so I'm not going to go and nauseam about it. 
Micah Gilbert's one for me, 100%. Mm-hmm. I, I don't get this, how he's ranked in the 200s pretty much consistently everywhere. He, at six foot two, 205 pounds, he went from interesting physical wide receiver as a junior to a explosive technician as a senior, in my opinion. This kid never had 500 yards in a receiving season during high school. So far this year, Sean, I think he has almost 800 yards on 60 receptions in like eight games or something like that, in seven games. He has been tremendous as a senior. He's doing it everywhere, man. I'm seeing him run routes from the slot. I'm seeing him win outside the numbers. I'm seeing him win after the catch. He's a really good player, and he looks more explosive than he did as a junior. He looks healthy, which mm-hmm. I think is the big reason why I would bump. I mean, he's a top 150 kid, in my opinion, today. I don't need to see any more senior film. Like He is a top 150 kid today. We talk about Cam Williams so much, and for very good reason. Cam's a five-star, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But let's not lose sight of the fact Micah Gilbert's really dang good, folks, and he's coming as well. And Logan Saldate ain't too bad himself. That wide receiver crew coming in 2024 is really good, and Micah Gilbert is a big reason for that. Your number two, Sean, your number two player that you want to talk about. So I'm going to give some love to Sean Sevillano. Okay. Because I know the timing of him committing and how it lines up with what took place with Justin Scott. Kind of, you know how someone signs and you're still befuddled and upset by this recruitment over here. So it's like, all right, like, whatever. And then all of a sudden you start paying a little more attention. And it's like, okay, kid. And the one thing I can say about this kid is that he works extremely hard. He's a kid that's working really hard to get better. And if he can come in and also, I feel like his relationship with other players down there in Florida has kind of impacted other people that might end up in Notre Dame in the recruiting cycle. So I want to get some love to Sean Sabilano Jr. I really do. I think he is uh, underrated because I think he's gotten better he has than what better. he showed. I think he's gotten better. I'm not saying he took this huge jump, but, but he's, he's been better. better. He's better. So I want to show him some love. I don't know if he should be in the top 250 or 300 or anything like that. But if we're just talking about, you know, kids that I think, because I can start myself. I should have show, I should have showed them more love, and I didn't. And then yeah. when I started giving them more attention, I recognized, okay, I see why they liked him. They offered him. Yep, I, I get it. I, Sean, I talked about him. I actually did a, a a piece for the premium subscribers on the message board about Sean Civilano a few weeks ago, I and I that. kind of phrased it like this. And and I'm curious if you agree or disagree on this one, but I phrased it. I think that our perception of what Sean Civilano was, was morphed because of the Justin Scott debacle, Mm -hmm. because of the Owen Wayful weirdness of like that commitment. Mm -hmm. And I think that we got an impression in our mind that this was Justin Scott. This was Justin Scott's replacement in, in, but in actuality, it wasn't Justin Scott's replacement. He was just a player they really liked on the interior defensive line. 
And I think that what we really need to understand is what is he going to be asked to do on the football field? He's not going to ask to be Justin Scott. He's not going to ask to be Mm -hmm. a penetrating playmaking three technique. He is just a hardworking nose with a great motor that is going to create issues for opposing offensive linemen. That's what he's being asked to do. And I think the big thing about him as a senior is junior year, he beat up on some bad competition, in my opinion. Not great. Mm-hmm. Senior year, they've been playing against some good teams, and he still has 43 tackles for loss this year and nine sacks, which is just outrageous numbers. So, yeah, I think Sean Sablano deserves a lot more credit than what he was given when he first committed to Notre Dame. I would agree 100%. Speaking of underrated front seven players, Sean, I had to go here, man. Bodie Cahoon, linebacker, Patrick Henry, Roanoke, Virginia. 6'2", 220 pounds, originally was committed to Ohio State to play lacrosse, now obviously committed to Notre Dame to play football. Sean, I'm going to read you a stat here. Ready? I'm a favorite stat of any player today. 127 tackles in seven football games. I'll say it again. 127 tackles, seven football games. That comes out to my mathematicians out there. to over 18 tackles per game so far as a senior for Bodie Cahoon. His first year as a full-time linebacker. I think that people underrated Bodie Cahoon from the start because he'd only played five football games as a linebacker. He was a safety before that. We didn't appreciate that this kid is 6'2", 220 pounds, runs 4.54 in the 40. Very good athlete. He The game has slowed down for him as a senior, Sean, in my opinion. Now Bodie is taking his game to a whole other level, which, you're, which is great to see. So Bodie Cahoon having a tremendous year. Again, folks, I'm going to say it again, 127 tackles in seven games. If he makes it to, let's say, a second round of the playoffs, Sean, let's just say second round, that means that he would have over 200 tackles on the season. Over 200 tackles on the season, which would be absolutely wild. Absolutely wild. So, Bodie Cahoon is my number two. Sean, your number three and final player for the segment. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I thought about going with my heart okay. with someone that I thought from the time he committed was undervalued. Then I thought about someone that has played pretty good at the safety position. And then I thought about an offensive lineman that we've already discussed dropping. But I'm going to stick to my heart, man, because I think this kid has been undervalued 
ever since he got into class early. And that's Carson Hobbs. Like from the time Carson Hobbs committed, I felt like, yo, this is, when you watch him play, it's like, yo, this is the next, this is the next Benji. Like, you rarely see a kid early on, sophomore, like playing bump and run. Like, no, yeah. this is what we play, right? Yep. And a great high school program, so you don't have to worry about, and you know, it's the state of Ohio, so you don't have to worry about whether or not the competition is real. But for me, um, even off the field, I think he's undervalued because so much attention in the 24 class has been given to the offensive side because the leaders of the class are on that side. I yep. think he he has been one of the leaders on the defensive side of that class. They got in early, was talking to guys, and was saying, yo, come join us. And it was either him or Benny Powell. But I think what I've seen from Tatum and Benny Powell this year has been uh, really good and needed because we've been talking about the safety position, right? And what is what are we going to do? Is it Kennedy Erlacher and Powell and who else is going to come? Those two guys for me were up there. And the third person was Peter Jones. You know, that was my third guy. But I'm going to go ahead and say Carson Hobbs because even when you look at the rankings of how they have him listed in the class, you know, on, yep. on three or two, four, seven, he's like at the very bottom. And I'm like, in my so opinion, he, he's a, he's he had a, a weird ranking player. too. He had a weird ranking too. Sorry to cut you off because he was a four star by one platform at one point in the offseason. And then they pushed him down from a four star. And I'm like, he hasn't played football yet. I'm kind of confused. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Oh, we made a mistake. We should have given him that star. Like, where does that come from? Like, you elevate a kid. Obviously, because either you've seen him on the circuit over the summer in the spring, or you've watched his film and made the decision, we need to bump him up. So it's been really strange, like you said, you know, because even when I saw him, uh, when he first committed, I was like, okay, he's going to be a four star. Like, okay, they got him a three star. I, I knew the star was going to come. I just yep. didn't expect that they would take it away. Without him actually playing a football game, right? That's my thing. Is like if you if if you don't think he's a four star, leave him as a three star. Just don't. Why give him a star and then take it away? Be, and he didn't even play a game of football. Like doesn't make any mm -hmm. sense to me. It just doesn't. It's really, it's really strange to me. But that's a conversation for another another day. My last guy, Sean. You mentioned him already. I was actually thinking about doing Anthony Knapp because I think Anthony mm -hmm. Knapp's done a lot of great things as a senior. But I'm gonna go with Tabron Benny Powell out of Lakota West. I'm I'm gonna go with it here, man. I was the same I high school as Dominic. Yep. I understand why. He look, man, here, here's where it was, Sean. He was in contact with the staff. He came to the Irish invasion this offseason. He got his offer, committed within the next couple of days, and he was a part of the Notre Dame class. At that point, full transparency. I didn't understand why he was a take so early. Didn't understand it. I was like, I think that might be a little bit of a, uh, I think you might be struggling a little bit. And that might be why that's a take for you. After seeing his senior film so far, I get it. I understand why Chad Bowden and this recruiting staff liked Tabron Benny Powell. He's not just been good as a senior. He's been really, really good as a senior so far, man. 
looks a whole lot more comfortable in space than I thought he would. He's really physical. He's actually pretty explosive getting in out of his pedal as well, man. Like that kid's going to be a good football player. I think, I I think that he is going to be a good football player for Notre Dame. Again, still not saying a star player, but a player that I did not expect to be a guy that I would ever kind of turn the corner on, unfortunately, but I have, I think that he is severely underrated as far as a player just in the 2024 class for Notre Dame. Hey, Romney pal, he deserves to be at Notre Dame. He deserves it. So, yeah, man, that's my last guy. So, it's a good list, Sean. It's a good hey, list. He all he was almost my third. I, I was love it, man. Being, I was just being loyal to a guy yep. that I like from the time he committed to Notre Dame. And yeah. um, I love both of them. So, I totally understand what you're saying. Look, just to kind of – if you go watch – I don't know if people understand this. Because it's something that was taught to me by people that evaluate. When you evaluate the defensive back position, I mean, speed is something that you just see. Either either guys have makeup speed or they don't. But when you see young men in high school playing a certain, and it's not just defensive back, Ryan, you know this. Uh, You talk about Bodie Cahoon. And the instincts at the position, not just the physical talent. See, that's that's the first thing that grabbed me about Drake Bourne and Jaden Osbury in the spring. Yep. They might not know more than the starters. Heck, I don't know the 40s at this point. But I know they're the most instinctual linebackers in the program in my opinion, just playing the position. They're the most instinctual. Now, you talk about both, same thing. You don't stack up tackles like that. Kingston, you don't play like that unless you are highly instinctive at the position. Because you can put an athlete at any position, right? Maris Leofow is a Heck of an athlete at linebacker. Mm-hmm. Mm, doesn't exactly have the best instincts. Remember <laughs> our, remember Asmar Bilal? I do. I do remember how him. he shocked us that last year? Yep. And we were like, same, okay. Same seemed to slow down for him. It was weird, it man. It was slow down. Weird. Damn. Before that, no instincts. Zero. For Zero. the position. Yep. Right? Yep. And so much shows, so much so, Sean. They're like, you got to go play Rover away from the action because we don't trust your eyes to be close to the action. I mean, honestly, you really didn't. So That's a fact. If you watch Carson Hobbs film, you might not be impressed with a lot of things. The kid is extremely patient as a defensive yeah. back, and that is vitally important. Vitally important. He, he, trusts, watch, himself. he, he trusts, trusts himself. He trusts himself. And watch how he stays in the pocket of the receiver. That he doesn't panic. And this is see traits like that. Yep. It's very nuanced to the position. So you you might watch this film like, oh man, I'm not really impressed. He doesn't seem that super fast. Yeah, okay. He's nuanced and he plays the position. Yep. I don't think 
and he also just had really nice track numbers this past year as well. So like, I'm still curious if one that, cause I, I think it's, I think it's starting to peak in there, but like, I still think there's a level of speed that mm-hmm. Carson can get to on the field that we haven't seen yet. So yeah. Yeah. Most kids do as they get older and <laughs> strong. Yes. Yep. Oh man. I wish like, cause your mind and your body don't like become in sync until later for whatever reason. Right. And I, re- I mean, Sean, like I remember like, it was like two years after I graduated high school. I was just like, dude, I'm not a better athlete than I was then. I just understand how my body works now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I just understood it a lot more. So I got faster. It wasn't yeah. even a development thing. It was just strictly like knowing your body and it, it comes later for some people. So hopefully it kicks in at some point. I think it will. But and so you play, you yeah. probably mentally. Yeah. You probably were free. Yes. Whatever you, whatever you needed to know, you knew. So yep. now you could just play. I I never, as a linebacker, I always was just concerned about my run fits and what gaps were covered and what gaps will not be covered and where the whether I was reading guards or whether I was reading flow. That was all I was ever concerned about. And then luckily in college pretty early, I learned about coverages, right? Mm-hmm. I learned about what guys behind me are doing and what their responsibilities are. And that opened up a whole other world for me, Sean. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, that's why I'm going to that spot. Like, I knew what zone I was supposed to drop into. I know I was supposed to be a hook curl or curl flat defender, but I had no idea why, right? Like, mm-hmm. I had no idea why. I just would go there because someone told me to go there, right? Like, someone, my coach was like, you have curl flat. Cool, I have curl flat. But I didn't mm-hmm. understand why I had curl flat, right? It's the process of understanding that's why I had that responsibility. That's why right. I had it, you know? And so, yeah, man, I agree completely. I mean, and it, that comes, that comes. And that's why I always like talking to the defensive backs, man, because they know where everyone is supposed to be out on the field. They know every single player, quarterbacks as well, obviously. They know where they everyone is supposed to be on the field. So, Can I ask you a question? Sure. Going into games, yep. how many defenses would you say you guys had to call? Like, Five, five to ten. As as far are you talking about coverages? Or are you talking? Yeah, about, these are the these okay. are the plays we're gonna call. Okay. For this particular game. What, what, so I mean, we we I, I we weren't super exotic. So like in in college, we would do a four two five, mm-hmm. um, and then we would have a nickel and a dime package. So like four two five, we would have four three personnel. So like that overhang was a Sam. Sam. Okay. But then you would go nickel. So like that overhang would just come out of the game, and a nickel would go in the game. And then we would have a dime look where another line, one of the linebackers would come off the field. So you would just have one true linebacker on the field, and then you would have an extra defensive back, and then you would just have your goal line package. So there was three different packages, I guess, tech, or actually four different packages technically. We were a heavy, like, four, like a traditional four-two-five as far as like umbrella <clears throat> coverage. So like we yeah. rolled to a lot of single high stuff. So like cover three, cover one. We did some four, but like not a ton. So there were probably like three to four different coverages that we would run typically. And then, I mean, but then blitz packages, if you throw that stuff in, it's, it's a lot, (laughs) it's a lot at that point, you know, it's like we would have different blitz packages just for specific teams, obviously, as far as like where they wanted to attack. So it's a lot, man. There's a lot of mental process. The reason I, the reason I asked is because we, we recently spoke to Shane Walton. Who played under Bob Davey, who yep. was multiple defenses, a lot yes. on the plate, and he switched up, and Tyrone Willingham came in. 
right? Yep. Yep. But he said when Tyrone Willingham came in with Kent Bear, who wasn't that good at DC, by the way, if you guys <laughs> remember. But he said, man, literally, we would go into every game with five calls defensively. That was it. Five calls. Yeah. And we knew how to play the heck out of those five calls. And he said that's why that defense flew around that year in his first year. Because, yo, it wasn't exotic. Here are the five calls. This is what we're doing. Man. And when and when you have dudes, that works out, man. Like and, and he dudes, was like, yeah, yeah. he said, Brock Williams and I knew we were man to man. We knew that. Yep. You know, and that's kind of the benefit that we're seeing. Like when you have guys like Cam when those outside guys can play man to man, man. I I want to be Al Golden this year, Ryan. I, I yeah. love the call plays this year. Are you kidding me? Well, Sean, I know people complain about Al Golden being like too blitz happy and stuff, but like when you have those corners, mm-hmm. I don't blame him. Like I don't mm-hmm. blame him. I mean, uh, man, uh, if you want to be a heavy blitz team, like man coverage is like your bread and butter, obviously, right? Because like mm-hmm. doing zone blitzes is like that can get really funky sometimes. Because then you're like, why is that guy vacated his zone? Where is that guy supposed mm-hmm. to be? And you're just like, there was a miscommunication there. That's what it was. Man, the man's a lot easier to to communicates who's got who who's got this guy who's got that guy who's leaving that that type of stuff right so i mean i, I again i i don't I, I think maybe it's a little bit too much sometimes i've said that in the past but like i don't i don't i don't blame al golden for having his thought process in that sense right like i have trouble sometimes getting four home i'm gonna blitz extra guys because you know what i got two man-to-man corners on the outside that can play it all over the place right mm-hmm. i mean so I, I don't blame him for that i really don't so yeah who do you see benny powell when benny powell is at notre dame who is he focused on who who do you see him mm-hmm. in this defense being i i think i think that i mean like early on i think he's going to look at xavier watts a lot mm-hmm. right like that's going to be his guy but like eventually I think that I think that Tabron Benny Powell might be a rover eventually. I really do. I think he might yeah. be a rover. I, yeah, yeah. I think he'll be a good one, man. Because like he's got a mm-hmm. good frame, right? Like he's listed like six one one ninety something right now. I guarantee he's like two fifteen at some point. Guarantee. Like mm-hmm. he's pretty skinny still, right? Like I, I I would I would not be surprised if he was a rover at the end of the day. Would not be surprised at all about that. Because I I also think that that's where Notre Dame's defense is kind of going a little bit. You know, like kind of the. They're more body type. They're more Jalen Sneed body type at Rover and then nickel at Rover. Mm-hmm. Like that's more their spot. Like I think Jack Kaiser at Rover is going to become a little obsolete for Notre Dame. I don't think that's where they want to trend as far as that position, but just my opinion. So, well, Sean, that's going to do it for a little bit of our recruiting ranking talk, man. That went a completely different way, which is great. I love, that's why I love, I know it drives some people crazy, Sean, but <laughs> I don't plan things out as well as sometimes because I like organic conversation. <laughs> I like uh, just seeing where conversations go and seeing what comes of it. So uh, make sure you hit that like button, folks, before we get to the mailbag. Make sure you subscribe, notification bell, and, all, and make sure you give us a five-star review on any and all of your favorite podcast platforms. We will be back here in a second to talk to you all about a little bit of a mailbag you guys have been contributing to throughout the duration of this show. 